Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Let's make a declaration. Father God, thank you that I'm alive today for such a time as this. That you're raising up your people to be a mighty army to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For such a time as this, I was meant to be here. Give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see. Give me a mouth to proclaim this good news of your kingdom. Amen, amen. So, I've been doing a series over the last couple of weeks around the subject of the kingdom of God. And uh, I'm on here. Steve should be on the notes. But I was thinking around a passage of scripture I want to read with you, read to you this morning. And I believe it's going to be an encouragement because the Word of God has been given to us to edify, encourage, to challenge, to adjust, to redirect. And it's far more reliable than internet communication and digital work. So, I kind of, I don't always give a title to what I'm going to speak about, but I do have a title here. That lockdown doesn't mean shutdown. Lockdown doesn't mean shutdown. You know, there have been many times during the history of civilization, there's been great fear on the earth. And it's a terrible thing when you, when you consider the suffering that came on this planet due to man's rebellion and high treason that brought in its wake a cosmos out of control. And there has been suffering through natural situations, but also through man's selfishness and greed, his pride, his anger. And you can think of how people's hearts must have melted during the Cold War when the nuclear armaments were being built up on both sides enough to devastate this planet and to rip it apart. How much fear there was. You, you can identify with people right now who are sitting in hospitals with their loved ones. And loved ones in ICUs, sitting by their bedsides with, with doctors' prognoses of, of, of cancers and other life-threatening diseases. I mean, fear is a, a terrible thing to live with. And your heart wants to break for the the parents whose child is in an ICU with an oxygen mask and pipes. Or the the parents that get called into the doctor's offices and told that there's a terminal illness. I mean, we live in a fallen planet and there's suffering that we don't have all the answers for. And people go through really difficult times. 
People go through hardships. There have been viruses and epidemics and pandemics historically for hundreds of years, repeating themselves. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. We do have a framework of understanding which says that God's ultimate purpose to bring his government on earth, his unseen realities into the seen reality was thwarted by man's agreement and man's rebellion by identifying with Satan's uh, lies. And, and we know it's tied in, but it's complicated. And we also know Jesus died and at the cross, he was the end of the curse of the law, but the curse that comes on people. Yet we still see people suffering in the world. And people go through terrible hardship. And we would just be like an ostrich with its head in the ground if we denied and said it doesn't happen. Because there's stuff people are going through. Maybe even you going through something at the moment. A debilitating fear, debilitating anxiety over losing a job or impending losing a loved one or losing a loved one. There are all these facets of life that aren't comfortable. And we have to face and get up and say one more day. Suicide is rampant. Abuse is out of control. And in the midst of all of this, we've got to make some sense of this thing we call our faith. This thing we call our gospel of the kingdom. And in that, we see that Jesus made some unprecedented statements, like he, the Holy Spirit, it will come upon you and you'll receive power. Like the works I've been doing, you will do, and even greater works than these, you will do. And there's something as believers that rises up on the inside and says, I know God's got more for me. I know God's got more for his church. You know, one of the strategies is to try and lock down the church. Not that the church is the kingdom. The church is not the message Jesus told us to go and preach. Church is just the instrument to see his kingdom come on earth. And those are the tribes, the families in divine order that begin to reflect the culture of heaven. And as the members of the local churches in their work situation, in their families, in government and education and uh, the, the, the stay-at-home parents, begin living in the righteousness, peace, and joy of, of the kingdom, it's like yeast that permeates the dough. So the church is only that instrument that injects the kingdom life into society. But here's the thought, and this hit me like a hammer yesterday. When it's going well in the church, the kingdom will advance unhindered. But where it's not going well in the church... The kingdom is restricted. And that just simply means that his body needs to be healthy. As Paul writes, and he says, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. As it writes and says, when you come together, one brings a prophecy, a song, a hymn, a word of instruction. As it says in the scripture that they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and prayer. And there were signs and wonders. And the Lord added daily those who were being saved. Acts chapter 2. That's our vision. For a church that is vibrant and alive and growing. 
And one of the enemy's strategies is to lock down the church. You see in the book of Acts, whenever a crowd gathered, and there'd come persecution to break it up. And I, I understand social distancing, and, and I think we have to comply as much as we can for the health and the, the sanctity of, of keeping the, the, the governmental, the, 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 the law of the land intact. But at some point, we've also got to be prepared, Christians, that the law of the land might violate our biblical mandates. What do you mean by that, Steve? Are you inciting anarchy? No, not at all. I think our government has done its best and worked hard. And I salute them and I applaud them for the work they've done. But you know there are other principalities and powers working behind the scenes that even our governments and presidents are unaware of. And those tactics are often the tactics that want to divide to conquer. So what I am saying is that if the enemy could get his way, and his strategy would be to bring fear and distance between believers so they don't connect in a meaningful way. And where the church is not connected in true community and love and becomes distant, the very culture of the church is affected. And that's not my, my ANC government's objective. That is the objective of the satanic powers and principalities that rule in the heavenlies. And I'm not creating a, a whole big fear tactic, scare tactic out there, but, but what, I, what I want you to hear from me this morning is that in the Bible, when the apostles began preaching and a crowd gathered, it was only a matter of time before opposition came. And if you were to go to the street down the road by the shopping center and take a box and start preaching the gospel with all your heart and a crowd of 52 gathered around you, you could be arrested. Did you know that? Even if they're wearing face masks. So what I'm saying is that's not the aim of my government. I mean, it just... Because someone will go and say, oh, Steve is saying don't obey the government, which the Bible says we should, but we only obey the government to the point of where it starts to violate biblical Christian principle. And, and there's a, a real attack on the church in these last days. And the church has to find more creative ways of meeting, but not to live in fear and not to allow a social distancing to become a spiritual distancing between ourselves. But that we fight harder for unity and collaboration together as the body of Jesus. That we go that extra mile. If we've got to have 10 services of only 10 people gathering, then let 10 gather. Let's not throw the baby out of the bathwater. Let's not try and incite rebellion and we don't do what the government says. Because we do want to do what the government says. But we're just aware that there's another government, a government of darkness, that also takes advantage of times like these. Because there's no reason why healing shouldn't bow to the same name of Jesus as it was before the COVID. And people were dying before and they're going to be dying long after COVID. In fact, everyone in this room, I'm sorry to tell you, you will die at some stage. I'm sorry to break that news to you, 
But we don't have to settle for it now. No man has any power over you but that what God above has given. And our governments are trying their best. And they need to be supported and encouraged. But I have to say, I do get a bit confused every once in a while. I get a little confused when I see restaurants at 50% capacity and taxis at 80% capacity, but they tell the church down the road with 3,000 seats that they can only have 50 people. Now, I mean, I, I, know, I know someone right now doesn't like me saying that, but someone's got to tell the truth. Hello? That doesn't make sense. It was so easy on paper. 50 people, that's it, no more than 50. Whether you're in an auditorium of 10,000 seats or in a little church down the road where it's only got 48 seats and they had to squeeze in two more to get their 50 in. Hello? Does this make sense? Am I inciting rebellion? No. But I'm saying there comes a point where we have to be honest and say, stop believing everything the media tells me and start thinking for myself and say, hang on. I want to obey the government, but I'm also aware that there's another, another government of another kingdom called the kingdom of darkness trying to manipulate my government. And I need to walk that fine line because we are called to proclaim the kingdom of God, that the kingdom has come, that the kingdom, Jesus said, is at hand. I'm never going to get to my sermon at this rate. Lockdown doesn't mean that we shut down. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. And there was a good reason why they were fearing. They had just seen their champion taken and murdered. I'd say there's a bit of fear. Legitimate fear around that. See your leader taken and murdered before you, and the word gets out, they're after you now. I would say that's a time to take precautions. Wear a face mask that covers your whole face. No one can see you through that. One little small hole for your eyeball. I, I, I would say that's a time to, to use some wisdom and keep some social distance between you and the Roman police. Who... Law was absolute, and it was at the tip of a sword. And it said, if I'm Roman with the delegated authority of Rome, and you are seen as an enemy, off with your head, and there's no CCMA, there's no small court claims, there's no debate, there's no it's constitution. Oh, they, they were scared. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace with you. Isn't that awesome? There was blood in the water. There was fear. The sharks were circling. And Jesus, in the midst of this environment, comes in and he says, Peace be with you. Is that the kind of word you need in your situation right now? Those of you facing circumstances beyond your control, 
People hearing that their companies could be closing down. People hearing that people in the street have got sick. Not with COVID, but with something that could be far worse than COVID one day. And fear wants to grip your heart. And you've locked your doors. Do you need just one word from Jesus? Do you need a sense of his presence? And here's the amazing thing that, that I love. Is that the same Jesus that spoke about keys to unlock heaven into earth. What's allowed in heaven is allowed on earth. Didn't need a key to get into this room. The doors were locked. And it says Jesus stood among them. Unless they had secret keys or something. that I don't think so. But what I do believe is the key that he had was the key that he promised. That when any two or three of you are gathered in my name, I'll be there. There's a key. Do you know that Jesus is here with us right now? Do you know that he said, wherever two or three are gathered, that is my ecclesia, that is my called out authority that I've commissioned and I'm there. It's as good as the emperor being there, not just as a token, not just in title, but his actual presence is with us right now. Yet if he appeared suddenly in that corner over there in a flash of glorious light, we'd all go, oh, can you believe it? Can you? Can you actually believe that Jesus was with us on Sunday morning? <laughs> this, he's just giving them like a little taste of what it's going to be like through the history of his church until the final day when he returns, which I do believe is imminent. I will be with my church. Are you needing that word in your life? Peace. I'm here. Peace. I'm close enough. Peace. I'm in the house. You need to know that. Because if you don't, I tell you, in this crisis, which is only maybe the beginning of many other crises, this is a good time to get to know that Jesus is in the room and in the house. And you can hear his word, shalom. Shalom. Peace. There's a storm going on in your life right now. Peace. There's anxiety that threatens to tear you apart. Peace. People are saying this and people are doing that. Peace. Anybody need to hear peace? I need to hear peace. Just that deep knowing that he's in control. Anxiety, I've said this many times, but it's so true that if we've got nothing to worry about, then we worry about that. So if there's nothing to be anxious about, then we get anxious because we're not anxious about something. We need peace in this day and age. Like never before, you need peace. I need peace. Jesus, right now, I just want, I want you to hear in the, in the soul room of your of your life. I want you to hear through the Spirit right now, Jesus speaking personally to you, not just in a sermon, not just in a song you sing. Right now, He is looking at you and He's saying to you, Shalom, peace. My friend uh, Glenda Rufus posted on her Facebook this week, if it costs you your peace, it's far too expensive. 
If it costs you your peace, it's far too expensive. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. (laughs) We need some joy. Amen. Joy comes when we see the Lord. It was on that road to Emmaus that the disciples in the breaking of bread recognized Jesus. I'm glad we're having communion on Sunday mornings again, corporately. There's something in communion that's not just going through the motions, but Jesus, we want to hear again, it was your body broken. It was the blood of the new covenant. Even if we have to do it in a a responsible, hygienic way, which we should do anyway. Hello? No no virtue in dirty old cups and dirty old bread. You know, there's no uh, thing that we shouldn't do it clean anyway. So now we're just, you know, cleaning up our act to clean it really well. But let's not miss the beauty of communion where Jesus wants to come and show himself. See those hands pierced for you. See that side torn open. See those scars on his back. Acknowledge again. But then don't stop there. Because we're not called to just stand at the door and admire the door. Jesus says, I'm the door that you may come in and pass through and go into pastures. So we need to come and have a revelation of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. But then we need to move on and hear him say, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. You see, we didn't just get saved to stand and admire something. Yes, we need the joy that that brings. We need the revelation of of what that brings. It's only Jesus who can actually show us himself. Did you know that? Did you know you only know Jesus because he revealed himself to you? Not because you were so clever and you could understand. Because a finite mind can't understand an infinite God. And that was the biggest failure after the fall of man was that he started building little shrines of fruit salad to try and impress God and then got jealous and killed his brother who understood the importance of sacrifice and blood on the ground. Cain killed Abel. And ever since then, religion has tried to connect with an infinite God through finite means and it's just unsustainable, undoable, impossible. God has to reveal This is why he became a man. This is why he took on flesh. But much more, this is why he left the Holy Spirit. That when you heard the message of him, something rang true in your heart and said, "Ah, I might not make sense at many levels. It might not be rational at many levels. It might not compute at many levels. But I know that I know that I know that I experienced Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And for the first time, I know who I've believed and he's able to keep me and I'm going to see him forever. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear this life because Jesus will receive me whether it's at his second return or when I pass from this life into the next. He says to them, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. I want you to stop and think about that statement. How did the Father send him? I don't think it has to do with the 
external things of his profession and all that. I think it has to do with his first message. Because the real purpose behind Father sending Jesus was to deliver a message to man. And what was that first message? Repent. For my Father's kingdom is now at hand. And this is what it's going to look like. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor. That good news was the kingdom is come. And ever since then, that has been the only message that the church has been called to preach. And that's why we've taken the last seven, eight weeks to unpack and to study and to delve into the knowledge of the kingdom. That that is a good news message. And, And over the next few weeks, we'll start unpacking how that impacts on prayer, how that impacts on healing, how that impacts on other aspects, but they make sense within the framework of a central message, which is the good news of the kingdom. That's how God sent Jesus. But now do you know why you've been sent? Do you know why you've been sent? You've been sent as Jesus was sent. He says, I'm sending you. Come on, say, tell the person next to you, I'm sent. Go tell them again, I- I've been sent. You see, if we don't have a deep conviction that we haven't just been woken up to be a church on a Sunday morning. Like the pastor. No, he did. Like the guy woken up by his wife in the morning. You're late. It's quarter past already. Get up. Get dressed. 20 minutes later. You're still asleep. We're going to be late for church. And he sits up and says, I don't want to go to church. I don't like them. They don't like me. She says, come on, get dressed. You're the pastor and you're 55 years old. We weren't just called to be good church members. We weren't just called to sing in the choir. We weren't just called to run children's ministry. All those things are because Jesus was sent with the message of the kingdom, and he says, I'm going to send you to go and talk about it and demonstrate it. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to go past just the theory of the kingdom into the demonstration of the kingdom. That is exciting. That is exciting. I mean, this is all exciting, but that is exciting. Hello? So he didn't stop there. He didn't stop with them recognizing his broken body, the cuts in his side. He said, I've got something for you to do. I'm going to give you my peace. Notice how he reiterates. Peace be with you. Hasn't he just said that? Let's check the verse before. Oh, yeah, yeah, there, definitely. Peace be with you. And again, peace be with you. Do you think some things need to be repeated. It's like when we started preaching grace. I mean, I don't know how many years we had to take before it fixed my brain. But the poor congregation who had to bear with me 
while I was speaking about the new covenant and identity and the goodness of God and the favor of God and the how he qualified us never to be disqualified again, how we're part of a new covenant and you can't take old covenant and mix it with new covenant because then you get a mess. You end up in Galatians where you're bewitched. I had to preach that for a couple of years. And then I used to hear people saying, I sit at the back and I play Tetris on my phone because if this pastor goes through this identity stuff one more time, I'm just going to go find another church. So I'm going to play Tetris on my phone here because I know other church wants me anyway. So I'm just going to sit here and play Tetris on my phone and, and then you bump into them a year later and they say, oh, I'm going through such a hard time. My husband lost his job and we had a car accident. But obviously God is trying to teach us something. Yeah, you really needed to play Tetris in church. Yeah, say all that to say we need to be reminded about some stuff because we don't get it the first time. We need to be reminded about peace because we don't get it the first time. So he says, peace. Comes back, he says, peace. Goes away, he says, peace. Okay, Lord, that's enough now. I've heard it. Really? Peace. 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 Come on, peace. Douglas. Stalwart. You're turning 81 this year. 82. In good health. Worshipping God. I heard, I heard uh, sorry I deviated a little bit. Who, who was it now on the news? Ah, Butelezi. 90. He got COVID. He got sick. Two days later, he was better. Oh, you mustn't leave your house. If you go down to that shop, you will get sick. And it's okay to go to the cliques and to go to the pick and pay, but don't go to church because there's 50 people there and we're 50. You're sure to get sick. And you know this COVID thing? It's like a death sentence. No, it's not. I know people sitting here that had COVID. And it was like the flu they had last year and the year before and the year before. And now they're sitting here and they're worshiping God. Hello? Well done, Douglas, Carol, champions. I'm not saying go and be silly. Obviously, we have to be aware, especially with pre-existing conditions and all that. But they've done some research now that showed that a large percentage of people who've died with COVID died from pre-existing conditions. They might have died anyway. Sorry about that, but they might have died. They all get lumped in the same percentage, and it makes a big furore on the, on the media, and it sells media channels, and it sells medicine, and wait till the vaccine comes up. Whoa. Oh, pastor, just move on. And with that, he breathed the sigh of relief. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, they needed a revelation of the cross. They needed to be reminded of their commission. But Jesus won't send you where he doesn't equip you. They needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like nothing ever in our lives before, friends. We need to be saying, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me afresh. You say, how did this happen before the day of Pentecost? I thought the Holy Spirit only came on the day of Pentecost. Quite an interesting question. Thanks for asking. Jesus 
sort of reached into the future and he gave them just a taster of what was coming. It's like if you come to my place and I'm barbecuing or brying, I love to cut off those little crisps, fatty pieces, put them on a plate and then walk around and say, do you like a taste? Do you like a taste? Do you like a taste? I didn't used to do that in the old days because when I thought of bringing brow was I just take my little sausage and a small tin of coke. We've learned a few things since then, AJ. My wife likes, if, I mean, I've got food for the rest of the week after Janet's prepared a meal for somebody. But we love passing starters around. Jesus is just giving them a, a look, adore, adore, adore. How do you pronounce it? Order, order, order. Just like a little order. He gave them an order. He said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. We need some breathing going on in our lives. Hey, Jan, just some heavenly Holy Ghost, fire from heaven, breath on your life. Just receive, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. You're going through a time of fear and the doors are locked. You need some Holy Spirit fire in your life. We two or three are gathered and the doors are locked. But Jesus is present. He's present to show us what his body was broken for us. He's ready to remind us that we are commissioned and called to an assignment that this generation needs. And then he says, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Lockdown does not mean shut down. Lockdown does not mean shut down. Arise, church. Arise, church. Tell your friends the good news of the kingdom of God. Tell your Christian brothers and sisters, it's not more dangerous to go to church than to go to the pharmacy. Tell your children the good news that there is a king in heaven. And they are citizens of a new government. Let's stand up together. Jesus, thank you this morning for your life. Thank you that if someone's listening by way of this message and you're just lying there, your mind is distracted, let me pray for you. Even as we gathered here this morning are going to pray. And we want to invite you to come and share our time together here. We're going to be meeting at 8.30 on a Sunday morning. We're meeting at 10. Services are going to be slightly shorter, which are modeled here this morning. We are going to take up the offering. Thank you to the champions and leaders who are hounding me even this moment as I speak. Thank you for your consistency and your persistence. And um, Janet, you'll have to give for both of us this morning. Okay. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this offering. We thank you that finances are coming in to uh, meet the needs of this local house, even as they go in to meet the needs of the houses represented here. We release contracts over your people. We release uh, checks in the post. We release outstanding uh, debtors. 
Lord, we release money that is due to us and owed to us. We say to the UIF fund, you will release the money to the people who need that money. It's their money, not the UIF's money. We declare over uh, contracts and employment that looked like it was going down, that it's going to start turning a corner and going up. Lord, we stand in agreement with all the households represented in this church and those who have represented us with us through this uh, uh, video this morning that you said we will have enough to meet our needs and to be a blessing to other people and that we can honor God with the first fruit of our harvest. So we declare harvest, harvests of inheritance, harvests of con- uh, 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 those things. But Lord, inheritances and and money that is outstanding. We just call it in now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you this morning that you are in the room with us. When we go in our car, you're in the car with us. When we get home, Lord, just open our eyes to see afresh and to hear your word declaring peace in every situation. And to just keep breathing in and breathing out and saying, welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome Holy Spirit. Welcome in my life. Welcome in my family. Welcome in this church. Oh, Holy Spirit, we've been called to something that's impossible without you. Holy Spirit, will you come and empower us, cause the gifts to flow, cause signs, wonders, and miracles to manifest among us. Holy Spirit, we are desperate for you. We are dependent on you. Holy Spirit, would you come? And now I declare the grace, say grace, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours. Until we meet again, church, be blessed. Thanks for being with us today. Have an awesome time. See you next week.